0: Hi, my name is Clayton, and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 Podcast, where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how He calls us today. Each week we will journey through Scripture to understand all that God has done, and what exactly His call is for our lives today. Welcome to Week 47, a Bible study week, where we examine Scripture and its application to our lives. This week was a topic that was requested by a friend of mine that I also used to work with, similar to last week. This week's episode was requested by Miss Lisa. Miss Lisa is a good friend and a source of spiritual encouragement for me. I worked with her for a time, and now I believe that the Lord is leading us both on a new path, but I will cherish the time we had working together nonetheless. A few weeks ago, or rather a few months ago at this point, Miss Lisa asked me to cover a topic that was near and dear to her heart. She said that she believes that it would have been a good source of spiritual encouragement for many other listeners who might have been dealing with a similar thing or might have had dealt with a similar thing in the past. And to be honest with you, it's not something that I knew much about. I never really heard of this subject before and so I have to admit that I was a little scared to tackle the topic. Scared because I don't like to talk about things that I know nothing about and scared that I would get something wrong. As many of you know, the Bible tells us that teachers will be held to a higher standard when it comes to judgment, and so I wanted to make sure that everything I teach and share with you on this podcast is biblically sound and honoring and pleasing to God. So if I tackle a topic that I know nothing about, I do have a slight fear that I might teach something wrong, and in turn displease God, which is something that I never want to do. But regardless, I decided to look into the topic. I wanted to learn more about it and see what was said by sound biblical teachers, but more importantly what the Bible has to say about this topic. Now, I've been beating around the bush a little bit, but the topic for the week, in case you can't tell by the episode title, is about the sanctified spouse. What does that mean? Well, to put it simply, if one parent in the family is saved and the other is not, does that mean that the entire family is sanctified? that is, the entire family protected from undue spiritual harm and the receivers of spiritual blessing because one parent is in the Lord? Well, we have to dive into this topic and all the intricate details that come with it. But truthfully, the only way we can tackle a topic like this is if we immerse ourselves in prayer. So let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for your wondrous works and the things that you've done for us, Lord. The ways that we don't deserve your mercy and yet you grant it upon us nonetheless. Lord, I'm just so thankful that you are with us and that you speak to us through your word, Lord. I'm so thankful for all that you've done and I pray that whoever might be listening at this moment, Lord, I pray that you will give them hearts of gratitude as well. Lord, that you will give us hearts of thankfulness For your awesomeness and the things, the mighty works that you've done by your hand, Lord God. And I pray that this episode will be a source of encouragement for anyone dealing with this this topic, Lord. Anyone who's struggling with being the only believer in the family, Lord, I pray that you will touch their hearts. And I pray for those families who are praying for loved ones who are not yet in you, Lord. But I pray that one day their prayers will be answered and that you will hear them from on high, and you will, you will bring their prayers to fruition, Lord God. I just praise you and thank you and ask that this podcast will be honoring and glorifying to you in every way possible. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if this is a topic that we're going to dive into and explore a little bit more, then we have to start with the Bible. I mean, after all, this is a Bible study week, so we need to see what it has to say on it. I don't want to teach or anything, or discuss anything rather, that is not found in the Bible, so I think it's important that we start there first. I guess, technically speaking, this could be more of an apologetics week in the way that this will be stru- structured, but that's okay. Because for this, I want to dive into what Scripture has to say, and then I want to dive into what a pastor and theologian have had to say on this particular topic, even though it's not an apologetics week. I just think it would be perfect for us to dive into this topic in this way, since truthfully, it's not something that I know much about and likely it might not even be something that you know much about either. So where can we find evidence in the Bible that supports the family being sanctified if a parent if only one parent rather is in Christ? Well, for that let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 12 through 17. As usual, we will be reading from the English Standard Version or ESV. So again, let us turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 12 through 17. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. These verses are very important for our discussion today. It's around these verses that our entire episode today hinges on. As you can tell, this has a lot to do with one spouse being a believer and one not being a believer. It talks about other things too, but for the sake of our discussion today, this is what we'll be focusing on. And I think Paul gives us very specific instructions here as to what we should do in a situation like this. And let me tell you something before we really start to dive in. I've read the Bible through cover to cover many times now. And I cannot tell you how many times I have probably read this passage and it just never registered with me until now. And I think that's the beauty of scripture, right? There's always something for us to learn from and to take away from because God speaks to us every day through different verses. Every time we open our Bibles, there is something new that God is trying to tell us, and I think that's such a beautiful thing. I want to say that before we got started today, but anyways, nonetheless, let's begin diving into this subject. We see here that the Apostle Paul writes about how the unbelieving spouse is made holy and the children are made clean in the sight of God because of the believing spouse. Now there is something else to keep in mind here. The word sanctified is usually what we use to refer to being saved by God and the process of being purified by sin. Yet in this context, sanctification takes on another meaning. It means to be set apart. and This isn't wrong. The terms are the same Greek root word. So Paul starts by saying that what he has to say is not from God. Now, that might make you cringe a bit when you hear that, but hear me out. As Pastor Greg Sircone says, Paul is not saying that what he has to say is not inspired by God. All Paul is saying here is that Jesus did not address these so-called mixed marriages where one is a believer and one is not. Paul, however, gives these apostolic commands because he does so by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and divine authority. Rather, what Paul encourages is applying Jesus' teachings in a particular context. The apostle tells us that this is how Christian principles should be applied. If the unbeliever abandons the family and the believing spouse, then the believer should let them go. And yet, if the unbeliever should desire to stay, then the believer should also stay. We see conversations about divorce here as well, but I believe that should be a whole other episode, and we will leave it as such. For now, we are moving our attention primarily to verses 14 through 16, which we will read again as a quick reminder. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Now these are the verses that have a lot to do with the discussion we are having today. It is within these verses that Paul begins to show us how much a believer can have an impact on the home, even if it's just one believing parent. Think of this. Just one faithful believing parent can change the lives of their children. I am reminded of several situations where this has happened throughout history. The believing parent led their children to faith because they prayed for and sanctified their home. There's the story of St. Augustine, or St. Augustine, however you want to pronounce it, Where the story goes, St. Augustine was an unbeliever living in sin, but his mother was faithful and prayed constantly for her son to come to Christ. Eventually, he does believe and becomes one of the most renowned theologians in all of Christian history. I also think of former President Ronald Reagan. Now, whether you like Reagan or not, that does not matter. What matters is that it is undeniable that faith played a large role in his life and his presidency. I would even go as far to note that, Reagan was one of the most religious presidents that the United States has ever had. But I mention Reagan because this example of a believing parent having a great impact on their children is also evident in Ronald Reagan and his upbringing. Despite living in the home of his alcoholic father in the middle of the Great Depression, Reagan's mother was very influential in his life by praying with him and taking him to church and leading him in Bible study. I'm also reminded of the story of Phil Robertson and the whole family from Duck Dynasty. I know I mentioned them a while back, but as illustrated in the movie The Blind, which is based on the testimony of Phil Robertson, Miss Kay was the believing parent. She came to Christ first. Through a long series of struggles and problems, eventually she is the ultimate reason why Phil and all of the, their children came to know Christ. And now look at how many people has been saved because of this family. These are just three examples from history that I can think of off the top of my head where one believing parent was able to sanctify their children and their faith. It's a powerful thing to be a parent who is a believer because it can have a great impact on the salvation of the children and the family. And sometimes just being the believing parent can have such an impact on the lives of the children but not only that, but you'll be an instrument for the Lord in the family But you will also in turn be an instrument for so many other people that you don't even know or may never meet in your entire life. By being the only Christian spouse or parent, you put everyone else in a sphere where they may be saved. Now, that brings us to two other things that I would like us to discuss here while we're on this topic. First, I want to address missionary relationships. This is a rather interesting topic and I think you see it a lot more so in younger couples. I'm not seeing, saying that you can't see it in other relationships or, or even older ones, but I think you see it a lot more in people who are in their teenage years or early 20s at least. Missionary relationships, as some may call it, are where two people are in a relationship where one is a believer and one is not. The believer thinks that they can bring the other to salvation through dating. I think this is a very dangerous thing for Christians to do and engage in. That's not the purpose of dating to begin with, But it has been told to me throughout the years that it is far easier to pull someone down than to lift them up. To begin with, this is not what Christians should be engaging in. Some of you may recognize this saying, but every date is a potential mate. You don't know if you're going to save that person that you're dating. You have no guarantee of that besides only God can save and not you. We saw this highlighted in the verses that we just read. The other thing that I want to address is baptism for children. Now, I know this is a touchy subject, especially for many people. Almost every denomination and theological view has a different viewpoint on children-slash-infant baptism. I would also like to say this save this topic rather for another time, but I think we need to touch on it briefly here as well. While not all people who identify as Reformed or Calvinist will agree on this sentiment, we do have to point out that some Reformed theology has viewed these verses as providing the rationale for baptizing children of at least one believing parent. This is addressed in a footnote in the Reformation Study Bible for verse 14. It says that, quote, because children of at least one believing parent are set apart, it is right to apply to these children the same visible sign and seal of their separation from the world and or incorporation into the covenant community, End quote. I'm not trying to tell you one way or the other, but I wanted to provide some information on this subject while we're here. At the end of the day, I would argue if you are the one believing parent and you feel led that you should baptize your children so that they may be set apart, then I would argue that you should do so. I think it would also be very important to discuss what that means to your children even if they don't necessarily believe yet or are old enough to profess the faith. That is a personal decision that I think people should pray about and ask the Lord to lead them. But now that we've addressed those two topics, I wanted to continue back to the topic where we were originally discussing anyways, which is the sanctification of the family by one believing parent or spouse. For that, I think it's time now that we turn and begin to look at what theologian and preacher John MacArthur has to say on this topic. Our old friend MacArthur is here to help us out, and I think it's really important that we listen to these words and see what he has to say about it. I choose. To cite MacArthur on this subject because I like the way he lays everything out, and he makes it things very simply worded for us. He connects it with other biblical scripture that I think is important for us to understand in context. In an article on the Grace to You website titled A Sanctified Spouse, MacArthur writes, quote, The sanctification is matrimonial and familial, not personal or spiritual. In God's eyes, a home is set apart for himself. When the husband wife or by implication any other family member is a christian such a home is not christian in the full sense but it is immeasurably superior to one that is unbelieving even if the christian is ridiculed and persecuted unbelievers in the family are blessed because of that believer one christian in a home graces the entire home god's indwelling in that believer and all the blessing and graces that flow into the believer's life from heaven will spill over to enrich all who are near. In addition, although the believer's faith cannot suffice for the salvation of anyone but himself, he is often the means of other family members coming to the Lord by the power of his testimony, End quote. In the same article, MacArthur goes on to state, quote, when God was about to destroy Sodom, Abraham pleaded with him to spare the city. If 50 righteous people live there, So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare the whole place on their account. When that many could not be found, the patriarch reduced the number to forty-five, then to forty, thirty, twenty, and finally ten. In each case, the Lord agreed to spare the city, but not even ten righteous could be found. But God was willing to bless many wicked for the sake even of a few of his people in their midst. Furthermore, God looks at the family as a unit. Even if it is divided spiritually and most of its members are unbelieving and immoral, the entire family is graced by a believer among them. Therefore, if an unbelieving spouse is willing to stay, the believer is not to seek a divorce. The Christian need not fear that the children will be unclean or defiled by the unbelieving father or mother. God promises that the opposite is true. They would otherwise be unclean if both parents were unbelievers. But the Lord guarantees that the presence of just one Christian parent will protect the children. It is not that their salvation is assured, but that they are protected from the undue spiritual harm and that they will receive spiritual blessing. Because they share in the spiritual benefits of their believing parent, they are holy. Often the testimony of the believing parent in this situation is especially effective "...because the children see a clear contrast to the unbelieving parent's life, and that leads them to salvation." I hope I illustrated this point clearly for you today, and I hope, as Miss Lisa hopes as well, I'm sure, that if you are a single believer in a marriage or family, then I hope you're able to find comfort in this message today. I commend you on your hard work and devotion in the face of difficulty. I encourage you to continue to pray and share your faith by word and deed." You have a very significant and powerful role in the family now, perhaps even more than you realize. This is a powerful affirmation of your special role within these verses. As a believer in the family, you are sanctifying your family in a very special way. Keep running the race, and I pray that one day you will see the prayers that you've been praying for come to fruition about your family and your loved ones. Until then, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless.